Many of you all who have been to my office have asked about my St. Francis wall. It's a wall in my office dedicated to a trip that I took many years back in the amazing grace, spirit-filled movements that happened on that trip. When myself and a few other adults were crazy and decided that we would take 15, 15-year-olds to be monastics for 10 days. They did really well. They exceeded all expectations. And 15-year-olds, it turn out, turns out, makes really good monastics. Part of that trip while we were in Italy, a large part of it, was studying St. Francis. We spent all day praying at the Basilica of St. Francis. That's the place where the remains of St. Francis, his clothing and personal items, lie. And I had to admit, at least at that point, I'd never been around of a lot of sacred relics. And I was a little skeptical of how people sort of proposed that they had healing power or that they had had really powerful stories of transformation just by sitting in the presence of some bones. And then myself and those adults and those 15 teenagers walked down to the lower level of the Basilica of St. Francis where those bones and clothing are kept. And as soon as we walked down the ramp, you could feel the holiness. The air was drenched. It was thick. It was like Kentucky humidity or a deep fog on a good fall morning. It was hazy. And it felt like this sort of all-consuming cloud of God's glory had rested in that place and was permeating the space and was hugging us and holding us and keeping us and hovering all around us. Myself and those adults and those youth sat in silence for hours in that space. Most of us wept. And later that night, as we sat around and debriefed the day, sponsors and youth alike told their stories of emotional healing. Some had had visions. All had experienced the holiness of that space. Were they just bones? I don't know. Bones might be just bones. I'm not sure. But I do know that in that basilica, for at least 800 years, people have called upon the presence of God and have welcomed the presence of God. They've invited and welcomed and prayed and pleaded and begged for God's presence to come and be made known in that space and in their hearts. Basilica reminds me of some other thin places that I've been, or maybe perhaps places you've been. Summits and church camps and cemeteries and worship spaces and all types of holy ground that have been prayed upon over and over and over again with God's people calling upon God's spirit to come and dwell in that place. We often call them thin places, but I think they're really thick places. Places with air as thick as smoke. Places that are thick with the presence of God. Today, in our First Testament reading, John read to us the story about the Ark of the Covenant being moved into Solomon's temple, and how after some 20 years, it was time to dedicate the space in which Solomon hoped that the people would find the presence of God. 
And it was time to bring the symbol of God, the presence, the most holy of holies, the Ark of the Covenant, into that space. The Ark of Covenant, which symbolized how the power of God came to the people on Mount Sinai. That presence which reminded the people that they were the people of God. And it was time to set this special worship place apart. And as they did, and when the ark was in place, our reading tells us that a great cloud filled the house of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord filled that house, and the air was thick with the presence of God. The air was thick with that same cloud that had guided the Israelites through the desert, and the same cloud that had rested upon the top of Mount Sinai, the same cloud that had filled the tent, now filled the temple. Our text for today tells us how Solomon begins to pray that the temple might be filled with the glory of God, and that whenever people would come to the temple, that they too might hear and experience God. It's a beautiful prayer. Our lectionary for today doesn't include it all, so go home and read 1 Kings 8. It's glorious. Solomon prays that all those who come to the temple, all those who come to worship, all those who have sinned against a neighbor or have not kept their end of the promise might come to be restored with God. Solomon prays that all those who come to worship in the temple, all those who have sinned against God, might be heard and forgiven by God. Solomon prays for those who are going to come to pray in the temple in times of drought, that the Israelites and their lives might be amended and receive abundant rain. He prays for the people who are going to come to the temple and are going to come in times of sickness and plague and drought and affliction. And Solomon prays that they will be able to turn to God and God will be made known to them. He prays for those that are going to fight in battle. He prays, as we read today, for the guests and the foreigners and all the new people that are going to come so that they might experience the glory of God in the worship space. Praise for all of Israel, for all people of God, that they might experience the forgiveness and love and glory of God. And then he offers a big sacrifice, dedicates and consecrates the temple, and has a three-day party to celebrate God's goodness with the people of Israel. Now I think that Basilica of St. Francis and all those other thick places that we have experienced are thick with God's presence partially because they've been prayed over for years and years and years until they are drenched with a thick, palpable feeling of God's goodness. And that temple in Solomon's time became the place, not only that day which we read about today when the cloud of thickness of God's glory did come and reside upon it, but it became that place where people came to experience that feeling over and over again when they called on the presence of God. Today, during our offering time, we are going to say a prayer of dedication for our new sacristy spaces that we've been working on. They've been worked on because of a lot of things, a diocesan grant, countless hours of volunteer time from you all, part of your pledges from 2018, and all of these are helping 
to come together to help us to live into our core values of welcome and open and acceptance and liturgy and worship and prayer. And so today we are going to pray for our new sacristy spaces like Solomon did, to be thick, thick with God's presence for this place, for the glory of God, so that all who come in contact with these rooms may be filled with joy and love and grace. We pray, as Solomon did, for all those who come into our doors to be filled with love and joy and grace. And we pray, as Solomon did, because we know that God is not contained in the new cabinetry or in the Jesus box, but that God is the living God, the bread of heaven, and cannot be contained in heaven or the houses that we build. And so today we pray that that same cloud of God's goodness hovers over us and holds us and surrounds us, just like it did with that group at the Basilica of St. Francis, or in the tent, or on Mount Sinai, or in the temple, or any other place that we've experienced the thick cloud of God's glory. This week on Friday, many of you all begin our novena, Novena is a Latin word that means nine. It's usually a time set aside for prayer or worship for a special cause. And our bishop has called upon you all, the people of God, to invite that holy cloud of God's goodness into your hearts and your lives and into our diocesan common life. And so if you haven't set aside a time to join the Novena, I believe there's extra pamphlets in the back, Set aside a few minutes of your day to welcome God's holy cloud of goodness into your space. And when it's over, as Carrie mentioned, on September 1st, we're going to roll right into the Thanksgiving challenge that you can stick in that space and invite even more of that cloud of glory into your life. But whatever it is, we invite you into that space to invite God into your space, a space of time and a space of place where you invite that great cloud of thick fog of the presence of the divine to drench you and saturate you. You and I are here today because we all made a conscious decision to walk in that door and to be the seekers for whom Solomon offered his prayers. We stepped into this place and opened our hearts to pray prayers like, to you, O oh God, all desires known and no secrets are hid and cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. You and I walked in this space today to pray the prayer. Eternal God, we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. Have mercy on us and forgive us. And our Father, forgive us for our trespasses and deliver us from evil. We come with prayers of forgiveness and reconciliation and desire for God's glory. And those are all the prayers that Solomon envisioned and the people for whom he prayed on that first day in the temple. And we are indeed in this place met with that love and healing and forgiveness and grace and peace for which Solomon did pray. If you've been with us any time in the last five weeks, you've noticed we've been talking a lot about bread. And following the feeding of the 5,000 in John's Gospel, 
we spent five weeks learning about Jesus' sort of mini-sermons in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We've read several times now about the bread of heaven which came to give life to the world. Now Jesus is the bread of life, and whoever comes to him will never be hungry. Now Jesus is the living bread. In last week's Gospel, and in the beginning of our Gospel for today, we read words about how God comes to abide with us in that bread. Jesus says, My flesh is true blood, my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. That is the love and grace and forgiveness and healing power to which our prayers are met for today. That that holy cloud of God's goodness and God's grace, that great fog and spirit which traveled with Solomon and our ancestors throughout the desert and comes to fill our space today, not only resides around us and with us and permeates our space, but comes in the form of bread to reside within us to permeate our very being, that the gifts of ourselves may walk out into the world and become that thick cloud of God's glory for all the world to see. So friends, on this day and always, let us pray for places of thick, fog, God-graced clouds. May we pray for the impermeable goodness of God's grace for thick places in our lives and thick places in the world around us.